welcome to the last post for September 2020. I've got 57 minutes left on my allowance with Bud Sprout, so I thought I would share with you Lesson 5, which is blowing my mind in the most wonderful way. Now, it's really great to sort of tap into the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and I'm so deeply grateful to him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're showing me. Today's lesson in how to think like Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ, is recognising the power of being God inside-minded. Jesus was very, very clear. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He was the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of his frames, his paradigms for conducting his whole ministry. I want to share with you a very, very strange passage from 2 Samuel chapter 6, which is relating to the temple in the sense of the Ark of the Covenant. David wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant, that emblem of the presence of Yahweh back to Jerusalem so I quote now David again gathered together all the chosen men of Israel all of them 30,000 David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal it looks like Judah to bring up from there God's ark which is called by the name even the name of Yahweh of armies who sits above the cherubim They set God's ark on a new cart and brought it out of Abinadab's house that was on the hill. Now, I'm just going to pause there. Everywhere the ark rested, the families of the people who were under that roof, as it were, their flocks, their cattle, their crops, everything prospered. Where God's presence is, in, in your presence, it says in the Psalms, doesn't it? There's fullness of joy, but there was also fullness of fruitfulness. It was like abiding in the vine and God abiding in them. As Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're going to bear much fruit. So Abinadab had done very well as he sheltered and gave sanctuary to the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and they brought it out of Abinadab's house that was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the uh, sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. They brought it out of Abinadab's house, which was on the hill, with God's ark, and Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played before Yahweh with all kinds of instruments made of cypress wood, with harps, with stringed instruments, with tambourines, with castanets, and with cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached for God's ark and took hold of it, for the cattle stumbled. So I'll just pause there for a minute. It looks like Uzzah was doing a good thing. There was a danger of the ark tipping off the cart, and he reached out to protect it. However, this is what the scripture says, Yahweh's anger burned against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by God's ark. David was displeased because Yahweh had broken out against Uzzah, and he called that place Perez Uzzah, to this day. David was afraid of Yahweh that day, and he said, how could Yahweh's ark come to me? So David would not move Yahweh's ark to be with him in David's city. David carried it aside to Obed-Edom, the Gittite's house. Yahweh's ark remained in Obed-Edom, the Gittite's house, three months, and Yahweh blessed Obed-Edom 
and all his house. King David was told, Yahweh has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of God's ark. You know, when you become born again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness, comes to dwell in your regenerated spirit, the blessing of God, in a far more intimate way than the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus said, I will come to you and make my house with my Father with you. You know, God is inside you. You need to be God inside minded. And when that happens, blessings must flow as a natural outcome, natural fruit of the presence of Yahweh inside you. Continue with that scripture. So David went and brought up God's ark from the house of Obed-Edom into David's city with joy. When those who bore Yahweh's ark had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. David danced before Yahweh with all his might. And David was clothed in a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up Yahweh's ark with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As Yahweh's ark came into David's city, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out through the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before Yahweh, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in Yahweh's ark and set it in its place, in the middle of the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before Yahweh. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of Yahweh of armies. He gave to all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, both to men and women, to everyone a portion of bread, dates and raisins. So all the people departed, each to his own house. Uh, I'm not going to go into the sad story of um, David and Saul's daughter there. My point here is the blessing of Yahweh follows his presence. And when you become God inside minded, it's just like, what could be more amazing than the presence of God inside you? Now, the religious people, and quite rightfully so, would talk about other being slain by the anger of Yahweh, as it says in this passage, because in some way he disrespected the Ark of the Covenant. However, I think his intentions were good. He wanted to save the Ark of Covenant, the Covenant from falling down from the oxen cart, but the presence of God is holy. The presence of God is dangerous. If you think about the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies, he had to fundamentally wear armour, a hazmat suit uh, approved of by God, the, the breastplate. They had special underwear. I mean, every detail was attended to. And the high priest had a rope on his leg with bells on in case... Fundamentally, he was killed by the presence of God in the Holy of Holies and they had to pull him out. That is the power of holiness. And we see this counterfeit in movies like The Force. God's presence is so much more profound than Star Wars and The Force. We are talking about the source of life itself. And in the New Testament, we hear about Zoe, the God kind of life the eternal life, and, you know, Christianism, I use that in a derogatory sense there, the religious form of Christianity will talk about, you know, when you die, you go to live with God. That is eternal life. That is not the truth. 
The truth is, that is true. But when you become born again, the eternal life, the God kind of life, the Zoe life of God, the very holy life of God, is reignited inside your spirit. You are spirit, soul and body. And that's where most of the trouble comes for Christians. We are regenerated. We are born again in our spirit. We continuously have to be renewed by our minds, which is the bridge between the spirit and the body. And of course, the body has these natural instincts, which are understandable, but Paul calls them the flesh. And they don't always serve our spiritual best. So as you become born again, you begin that journey of sanctification, increasingly holy, as you learn to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and to respect the presence of Yahweh inside you. So I want you to get excited about the current challenge we're facing. You know, one of my favourite verses, experiences in scriptures, is of the leper. You did not go near lepers during Jesus' time. And this leper very, very boldly approaches Jesus and falls down before him and worships him. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And without any hesitation whatsoever, Jesus did the unthinkable. He reached out his hand and he touched a leper. And with these wonderful words of God, he said, I am willing. Be clean. And there you have an explicit example of God's will. There's this whole sort of Christianism thing where, you know, God chooses to heal some people and not some other people because he is sovereign and he knows the bigger picture. And I would take issue with that. The example of the leper is a very, very powerful example of the explicit will of God that God wishes to heal everybody. And Jesus touching him is the most touching example of the compassion of God. So if you're sick at the moment, you're listening to this, God really, 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 his will is that you be healed. But from lesson four, we learn that the word of God, it says in the scriptures, he sent his word and healed them. The word of God can become unfruitful if you are distracted by the desires for other things in this world, by the anxieties of this age, the lust for other things it says, and um, the deceitfulness of riches. And these things, like thorns, can choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I find that stunning, that God's word can fail because of our deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, and the anxieties of this age. So mental health and spiritual health are very strongly aligned. We need to make sure that we enter into God's rest. That is the purpose. We have these themes of Eden, this paradise, and entering into God's rest. I'm really touched by that. So let me suggest to you that if you encounter this damned virus which has ruined so many lives and so many businesses and so many futures and so much of our children's education. It is accursed. It is not from God. It is not the punishment of God. Um, If you encounter this virus, 
without faith, then you are at risk. But if you encounter this virus, understanding that inside you is the very life of God, the very life of God that destroyed Uzzah can destroy this virus. There is holiness inside you that can be targeted and come out, particularly with the words of your mouth and the action of your hands. Jesus touched the leper and said, I am willing, be clean. Um, we have to learn, particularly as Western, Western Christians, how to control our tongues so that life comes out of our mouth. And death, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death has to come out of our mouths to those things which are offensive to God. Do you think there was destructive viruses in the Garden of Eden? Of course not. They are an example of the fallen creation. And Paul says the whole of creation, all of it, is like in the pains of childbirth, waiting for you, dear Christian, waiting for you to enter into the fullness of your inheritance. So this is a call for you to rise up, to realise that inside you is the very source himself, the very kingdom of God, the very kingdom of heaven, the presence of our Father, Abba Father and Jesus. They said they would come and live with us. Jesus said it was to your advantage that he was ascending to the right hand of the Father in heaven, because unless he did that, the Father would not be able to send the promise, the promised Holy Spirit. He said if we asked for the Spirit, he wouldn't give us anything other than the Holy Spirit. So, Heavenly Father, we do ask for a fresh level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let your presence be manifested in the temple of our bodies. Renew our minds through the Scriptures. And let these people that we mingle with every day Know that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has come near to them. Whether they love you or not, Lord, let the presence of Yahweh, the living God, Yahweh of the armies, let the presence of Yahweh be sensed. Let bacteria be destroyed. Let viruses be slain. Let demons be driven out. Remember when Jesus came into the house of Simon, Peter, a fisherman. His mother-in-law was sick with a fever and Jesus rebukes the fever. He did not use antibiotics. He did not use antivirals. He used his words and he rebuked the fever and the fever left her and she got up restored and served them. We are so far in the West from the manifestation of the kingdom of God that I am in part, I don't like suffering, but in part glad that the current crisis is drawing to our attention the need to return to our understanding and dependence upon the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you. He's looking for these jars of clay in which his wonderful treasure can be, that you and I might bring the very presence of God into these fearful times and destroy this damned virus. Now that's going to take faith. You've got to believe that's true and then you need to speak with your mouth into the situation to deliver people from evil. Isn't that the most fundamental prayer? Our Father who is in heaven, 
hallowed, holy be your name, respected, be honoured, be worshipped be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think there's any virus in heaven? No. Do you think there's any poverty in heaven? No. Do you think there's any mental torment in heaven? No. Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We've got to learn to be content with what we need for the day. Not this whole Western crazy materialism about building bigger barns and bank accounts and all these sort of things to protect us from the future. There's no faith in God in that. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently, diligently seek him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The measure we measure, as we read in the last lesson, will be measured to us and more besides. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You cannot, you cannot, dear Christian, afford to judge others. I know you've been wronged, I've been wronged. We cannot afford to judge others. Jesus, full of grace, on the cross, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And those people that have hurt you in your life really didn't know what they were doing. And frankly, it's not your job to educate them. <laughs> but yours is the kingdom. Now, this one, I think, is changing now in the new dispensation. You know, Jesus said that the Father was glad to give us, the little flock, his kingdom. So ours is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory. But ours is the kingdom. And our mission is to manifest that kingdom. As we said in lesson one and lesson two, I have come, says Jesus, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Therefore, Christian, your job is to manifest the kingdom of God that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief, the enemy, in whom we see the person of, personalization of everything we detest. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come, therefore you have come, to bring life. And life to the full. And then that life dwells within you. Be God inside minded. Realise that when you speak righteous things out of your mouth, the very presence of God is like a river of living water. And everywhere that river flows, life comes. The creator is in you. So let's go out there and let's create joy. Let's create life. Let's create peace. Let's create love. Because love never fails. And let's create hope. Because I know the plans that God has for you and for me and for those whose lives we touch. Plans to give them a future and a hope. The complete opposite to what the media is saying now about the current crisis. To give them a future and a hope. To let them prosper and succeed. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I, I pray that you prosper, which is have a good journey, and be in health even 
as your soul prospers. So may your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions prosper as you give yourself to the word, as you give yourself to dating the Holy Spirit, spending time, quality time and quantity time with the Holy Spirit. And may the rivers of living water flow from your innermost being. The kingdom of heaven is within you, flowing out, bringing life to the lives that you touch. Amen.